Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's Happening in Travel. Uh, I'm Kerwin, and I'm here with my buddy. For sure. And um, as usual, you know, it, it's aviation is crazy. But before we start talking about anything else, uh, let's talk about our backgrounds. For sure, what do you have as your background today? I have a photograph from Cooper Lake near Woodstock in upstate New York. Ah, very cool. uh, it is a, it's a quite a beautiful photo. I don't know what kind of, I don't know what the plant, what the plant is. But, yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah, but it's actually cool. It's it's that the sun's setting on one side, it's seen, yeah. but the sky is still bluer, so it's kind of cool. And uh, on my side, I have got the, this is the Zambezi River. So I, I toured um, African, I did an African safari a few years ago. Um, sadly, because of COVID, the company I did it with is now out of business. Um, but I was able to go visit Zambia and uh, Zimbabwe. And the Zambezi River runs between the two. And it's also the Zambezi River that becomes the Victoria Falls. And so one side is, uh, is Zambia, other side is um, Zimbabwe, and you can walk across. And this is the area that's called No Man's Land. So if you guys ever get a chance to head to Africa to go on these safaris, it's actually very cool. Um, all right, so today's a special day. Today is uh, October 31st. And um, after years and years and years, and years and years and years, <laughs> um, something special happened in Berlin today. What is that? Yeah. Well, in addition to Halloween, for those of you, your audience <laughs> who cares, more important was that Berlin, Brandenburg, Willy Brandt Airport opened finally. Yes. Nine yes, years yes, late. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so originally, there was supposed to be two simultaneous landings, one from EasyJet and the other from Lufthansa. Mm -hmm. But uh, EasyJet somehow landed two minutes earlier. This was uh, flight uh, uh, um, EC3, sorry, 3111. Get it? Sorry, 3110. Three, one. Why is that significant? October. Okay, October, October 31st. But what is <laughs> weird is that it came from Tego. The same city. Oh, dude, I would have wanted to be on that flight. That's so like this a is two, from the that's, Independent. That's like a two-second flight. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> it was about 20 minutes, I believe. But... Um, oh, that's uh, too funny. What, what is more surprising is that EasyJet has currently 34 aircraft based at Tegel that they have to move over to uh, Berlin, Brandenburg. Oh, so they just so, fly them over. Yeah, but I'm surprised they didn't plan this perhaps a little bit better to make it, but who knows? Yeah. But anyway, um, so after this EasyJet aircraft landed at 2 p.m. today, uh, Lufthansa flight 2020, this will have to get, right? Oh, came in from Munich. Okay with all the big wigs at Lufthansa on board. <laughs> and um, uh, they actually, with 40 invited guests, and Lufthansa made it a point to note that the flight was 100% carbon neutral, as the emissions from the flight were offset using sustainable fuel. 
Mm. Now, here's another odd thing. Lufthansa came in today, but they're starting operations on the 8th of November. Starting okay. commercial operations. Makes sense. No, it doesn't. Why not? It doesn't. Why would you have this gap? Because uh, they're, they're not ready. And because they're not ready, they're probably still going to... Because they've had still, months well, yeah, but years to get ready. Fair enough. But Tegel is still open, right? Tegel is still open, yes. yes. So they're not ready yet. Um, so EasyJet starts to the first departure tomorrow, um, which is the 1st of November. Uh-huh. at 6.45 a.m. to London Gatwick. Uh, and uh, what I was surprised to read is that um, Berlin has been dominated by EasyJet and Ryanair. Lufthansa only has service to uh, Munich and Frankfurt, and they don't seem interested in creating another hub there. Mm. But they did announce that they have a brand new uh, 650 square meters, which is about 7,000 square feet lounge opening at uh, Berlin Airport. So um, this is a big deal because uh, it's nine years late. <laughs> they had to move two villages to uh, create this airport. And after uh, poor planning, uh, multiple construction delays, especially related to fire protection and all sorts of blunders, this airport is finally open, costing Jeez. about 10 billion euros, which is about 11 and a half billion US dollars, which is four times what they estimated the cost to be. But all that is sunk costs and okay. we do have a brand new airport in Europe. Now, Tegel closes on the 8th, and uh, the last flights from Lufthansa, which has been operating in Berlin for 30 years, because remember, they were banned from operating, um, from Tegel to Frankfurt and Tegel to Munich on the 7th, um, with the last flight leaving at 9.20 in the evening. So... What are they going to do at that airport? Is it going to be just like Tempelhof, where they just become a field or something? Which airport? Uh, Tegel. Yeah. Tegel? Yeah. They expect it to become business aviation hub. Oh, okay. I'm not sure why they couldn't do that at Berlin, you know, where the old Schoenfeld used to be. What is? Because remember, Schoenfeld is not, not closing. It's just the right, northern a... end of Berlin, Brandenburg. So I mean, that's I... going to become T5. Yeah, which is, I don't get that, but that's another story. It's like you build a brand new airport and you go, oh yeah, let's use the old one across the way. Then why did you build this brand new one? Did you just forget you didn't have enough room for this brand new one? Because they couldn't close Schoenfeld. It was so busy with uh, well, you can the now. DLCCs. You built the new one, get rid of the old one. Yeah. I mean, I don't E2 get it. It opens next year. At, yeah. Because remember, only T1 is open currently. So T2 opens yeah. next year. And what is even more surprising is that the only international flights from Berlin are to Beijing and Ulaanbaatar in Mongolia. Mm. Could you think of more odd, long haul destinations? But United is starting potentially in March to New York. Well, United already flies to Berlin. Right, but not to Berlin, Brandenburg. 
Uh, right, but did they just they stopped because of COVID? I get it. I guess right. I guessing so. I'm yeah, not and, sure. And um, is Delta still flying there? Um, I thought they were. I thought they were too. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, and I thought um, uh, they had they have other international flights at Teagle. Yep. Well, so far none at Brandenburg, but I'm sure a lot of airlines. Yeah, I mean, they'll so, move this over. is the capital of the. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Most powerful country in Europe. Well, the, the bad thing about all this is that it's happening during COVID, right? So you right. can't see all the changes, um, right. all the stuff that was happening before. But because um, I was going to say, oh, the lounge. Uh, Lufthansa has an amazing lounge at Teagle. You've been to Teagle, right? Yes. Yeah, they have an amazing lounge at Teagle. Um, it's upstairs oh. at, right by the entrance. They also have a very fancy first class check-in mm. um, there as well. And um, there is a priority pass lounge in Terminal C, which is where the, the low-cost carriers oh, uh, leave from. So, um, that's so yeah, I don't I, know what they're going to do with all of that infrastructure at Tegel. It, it's but weird because... It's about uh, time the capital of Germany had a modern... Airport. It is about time, but I like Tegel. It was so simple. Well, get over it. I, I did. I like... The, now I'm going to go to this really cumbersome big thing and and, and, and you, okay so we talked about this before is um teagle is in uh the new airport is in zone c so it's actually going to cost you more to get on public transport yeah. from that airport to get into zone a which is where berlin is uh I, well the, the city is the city itself so bear that in mind whenever you fly and it's not as easy as it used to be um and there was another question I had about you remember Schoenfeld. I mean, people are probably used to it since EasyJet you know, Air have been operating yeah, at Schoenfeld. That's not a lot of people. Like, for example, the people. No, come on. Right? EasyJet had 12 million passengers last year in 2019 out of Berlin. Yeah, but not a small number. Yeah, but they, they flew to they flew to Tegel and out of Terminal C. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They flew out of there, and they, uh, and also um, I flew on Iberia Express out okay. of there uh, too. So I mean, everybody flew out of Tigo. Right. Um, yeah, Schoenfeld was really dominated by Ryanair and and EasyJet, hmm. I guess, and whatever other. That was the headquarters, the hub, if you yeah. could call it that, for Interflug. Remember that? Oh God, yeah, that was a long the time. The old ago. GDR National Airline. Yeah, that's a really long time ago. Well, good. Um, yep. So now Berlin has had four airports. Kind yeah. Of. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and it makes sense to turn that into a general aviation airport because the problem now is that um, it's no further to get to... Where's Angela's plane? I guess I... You mean the 350? I shouldn't call her Angela. She's not my friend. <laughs> where is Angela uh, Merkel? Where, where's Chancellor Merkel's airplane? Where's that, yeah, where's where that stored? I don't know. Is there is there an Air Force base close by in, in Berlin? I assume so. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. So. Yeah, I was wondering where her plane was um, was stored. Because um, Brandenburg is much further than than Tigo from hmm. the city center uh, or from the, the Berlin center. All right. But anyway, just continue. Wishing more success. Yes. This new airport. Krishna, I want to After fly. After a long while. 
We know it's bad though. Germany is closing down because of COVID. Yeah. So, but not only Germany, France is as well. Yeah. So, and but the talk of the UK starting on Wednesday. Yep. So we anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Let's However, move on. Though, I did, but but before we go, um, so Taiwan, I read something where Taiwan, they haven't had any COVID case in 200 and, well, today is 202 days. Something like that, yeah. Uh, which is pretty amazing. I mean, it's amazing that one It's country, not pretty amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Okay, absolutely amazing. <laughs> Uh, it's 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 amazing how one country, you know, people talk about oh, you know, and one people, government, and one government has really done well in getting that done, and the rest of the world can't seem to figure Get it their out. Their act together. Yeah, but you know, but you know, because it's also people, right? Um, of course, it is. But we're getting dangerously sidetracked. That's okay, but this is all related. I mean, obviously, the Taiwanese people. Um, you know, they, they know what they're doing and they know it's for the greater good, but the rest of the world doesn't seem to be that way. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, which is why we have lockdowns again in, you know, like Germany and France and all that. Um, and then we're gonna have the next challenge. Once you get a vaccine, people are gonna be, well, I'm not taking a vaccine. I'm like, okay, fine, Jesus, what, what next, right? All right, so <clears throat> this is gonna be a really long episode. <laughs> Uh, let's jump into, um, oh, airports. Since we were talking about airports, um, I read where uh, LaGuardia is now offering free uh, COVID testing. Um, um, yeah, it's a it's free. Yeah. Really? Okay, because I know Vienna announced as Yeah, well. which is really good. Um, and yeah, they starts um, on, it started on the 28th, which is this past Wednesday. Uh, of October, and um, they have a little testing, and it's located in Terminal B, open from nine to seven, and they have six mobile trailers with two windows, one for registration, the other for conducting the test itself. Okay. It's about twenty-five percent of capacity, with roughly hundred people getting tested each day. Uh, is a PCR nasal swab, and they expect the results within three to five days. Okay. So it's interesting that it's at the airport, but you have to wait three to five days to get the results. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, that brings us to the next topic with United, which is really doing free testing for transatlantic flights. Well, a flight, which flight. is United 14 between yeah. Newark and London Heathrow on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh -huh. Only for a limited period of time, from November 16th to December 11th, for all passengers over age two. That includes the crew. Okay. So um, they are advising passengers to schedule these tests, which are to be performed at the United Lounge near uh, Gate C73 at Newark. Okay. At least three hours before departure. So they can guarantee that everyone, that the word they use is guarantee, that everyone on the flights to London Heathrow are negative. And they are going to uh, submit the results of these um, tests and passengers' acceptance or rejection of this facility to both governments as sort of a blueprint for how travel could resume. Now, they do say that people who are unwilling to take the test 
um, will be reaccommodated on other flights. I just hope they let these let everyone booked on these flights know well before that you have to do this. Um, Otherwise, they're going to be moved. Yeah, they they're very good about sending. They've actually been doing a lot. I've gone to their website. United has done a tremendous amount. Yeah, they I have. Think. It's just been very quiet. They haven't been. They're not doing a good job of marketing whatever they're up to. So no, they announced the common pass. Um, uh, yeah, program. I see a lot more about you about Delta than United. Yeah, and um, and I've been going to their website and looking at some stuff that they're doing, and they've actually been doing a whole bunch of. Um, because there's a thing on their site where you can go and uh, figure out where you're going and it'll tell you what requirements. Yeah, like yeah that. we talked about that. Yeah. But so I also done... wanted to point this out, uh, that United think this, thinks this is a positive step primarily based on their Hawaii experience. Well, I would hope so. remember that they introduced um, airport testing at San Francisco, mm -hmm. International Airport for Hawaii flights, because Hawaii opened up to traffic and tourists on the 15th of October, but yeah. you had to have a test. Right. So what United said that in the first 10 days for San Francisco to Hawaii flights, October 15th to the 25th, the UA flights saw a 95% increase in passengers versus the prior two weeks, which is very substantial, I think. Yeah, so, but I'm not surprised. Everybody wants to go to Hawaii. That's right. And if you, if yeah. you can get a test to go, then why? Of course, the numbers are going to go up. Yeah. Mm, that's just statistics. <laughs> no, not not by that large a number. Now they never did tell us what the average load factor was. Right. Before, but uh, still, it's positive. It is. It is good. I just don't like when they report numbers like that. It's like, oh my God, it's always up. Well. Yeah. But I blame the press for that, though, right? Uh, it's like because they don't give you all the details. They don't, right? But I mean, it makes sense. I, of course, I expected people to be going to Hawaii in droves because, you know, at least you can get a test to go. Now, yeah. my thing about testing is so let's go back to the you know, New York thing. They're testing you at the gate behind security. Why not do that before? Uh, I don't understand that. Like, why wouldn't you test me before I check my bags? Uh, yeah, I don't know how you would actually get to the United Club at New York well, yeah, uh, without yeah. being right. cleared to board. Though. Exactly. So, well, you would you would have had to be checked in. Yeah. You get a boarding yeah, yeah. pass, right, and go through right. security. But then, only to get to the gate and go, oh crap, I'm COVID positive. Yeah. I can't go. Um, so now you have passed all through all those people that you came through. And yep. you know what I mean? So I, I, th there must be a reason why they decided, oh, we're not doing this outside security. Yeah. I assume in San Francisco, they're doing it outside security, right? Before yes, they are. Knows Hawaii. You know, why are you doing that at Newark? Is that you just don't have any place to do it? Possibly. Yeah, Remember, let's see. it's also much, much colder at Newark. I don't know if that plays a part, but... Get a room and close the door. I, it, <laughs> I'm like... I don't understand. And also some of these things that you're like, well, that doesn't make it. And, I'm, and obviously, right, they, you know, we're not saying something that's not, uh, I guess, that doesn't make any sense. Obviously, these smart people have thought about that, right? So there must yeah. have been a reason why they did that. And it would be, it would be good if they say, hey, here's why you're not checking before. Because this makes no sense. 
everything is good up until, oh, sorry, you, you can't make your fight because you're tested positive. But all these people have been around. You've been around all these people at the airport. Why not just stop that? And plus, you've checked my bags. The guy I've handled your bags. Unless, yes. you can't, unless they don't load the bags until you get your test. But we know how that works, for sure. Um, yeah. And remember, this is a test that's not entirely 100% or even close to 100% accurate. It's about 80% accurate. No if you're a false positive and you're really not positive for the virus, but you show up as positive. Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's crazy. Are I they, agree are with Are they you. charging? Oh, it's free, right? You said. It's free for everyone over age two. But I'm, I was really surprised that United said they can guarantee everyone on board, excluding infants, um, will be tested negative before departure. Oh, they said they have three so, hours and there's only two people on the flight, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the one. How is, what are the triple seven holes these days? <laughs> They're probably the 787, but. Yeah. It's not 200 people, for sure. <laughs> And who's going to London anyway? They have 14-day quarantine, or if not, you can't go anywhere. They're on lockdown. But remember, you can bypass that. If yeah, you... but they're on lockdown, so you can't go anywhere. Well, so... they're not, not yet. Not yet. Uh, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, this week, likely. If uh, Boris has it. Yeah, I know. Okay, so, I mean, I'm glad that they're doing it, but I, I just don't, I don't understand why is it Inside security and not outside security. So maybe someone who's listening can tell us uh, what's going on. So, yeah. Um, all right. So we're jumping around a little bit only because these items do tie in with each other. So, um, well, these are all airport related. So let's go talk about airplanes and uh, airplanes now. We have a lot of airplane story this week for you. Um, these 747s, that had been going out of service. Um, it's been entertaining to watch or um, hmm, to watch <laughs> what everybody, what all the airlines are doing with them and where they're going. And so um, British Airways just got rid of a few of those and Chris is gonna tell us what- But he one of them to be yeah. precise. Which is so sad. And I'm still sad about that. <laughs> BA seems to be getting a lot of press because yeah. when Qantas and uh, uh, Virgin retired theirs, they didn't get this much publicity. Mm -hmm. But I guess since BA had the largest fleet, um, they get the most press. But anyway, um, this concerns one of the last two BA 747s that were retired uh, this month from London Heathrow. Okay. And this is has the registration. Um, CIVB, uh, and this was the one painted in what is called the Negus livery, which is that red and blue, um, very geometric pattern on the tail. So they have been, all these planes have been retired. Um, and one of them, this one, CIVB, has been bought by Kemble Airport. Now this is in Gloucestershire in the west of England, just near the Welsh border. Okay. And um, it has been, as I said, bought by Kemble Airport and is going to be maintained by the airport. 
and converted in part, as they say, to a unique business conferencing and private hire venue, as well as a cinema for locals and an educational facility for school trips. I think it's a great idea. It's a beautiful idea. <laughs> the aircraft will be open to the public in spring of 2021. And it entered uh, BA service in February of 1994. Um, it's flown for about 60 million miles over about 13,400 flights. Insane. Um, and they say that Campbell Airport says that the money raised from events scheduled on the aircraft to support the airport scholarship. Now, I didn't know about this, but they have been doing on an annual basis, raising enough money for 10 students in the area to uh, find careers in aviation related businesses. Um, so they are going to augment that revenue with this aircraft because okay. apparently a lot of these kids have also been going, going on to careers in the Navy and the RAF. So I think it's a, it's a wonderful idea. It's a very wonderful and idea. And given how, uh, and I hate to use this word because it's so overused, but it really is an iconic aircraft, 747. Well, it is. It is. Um, it's... Uh, Wonderful idea. And I hope it succeeds. I hope more airlines do this. More airports and uh, other facilities do this. Yeah, I guess if you can, so, right, at least you can. No other details on prices and all that sort of thing. But uh, um, did it fly into Cartswold? Karts, yes. Ah, okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, I saw something. Yeah, sorry, it's Cotswold Airport near Campbell. Yes, you are yeah. right. Um, I saw something about uh, a pilot who flew for Qantas, who flew the the A three eighty into into the um the desert. Okay. And um, he was actually very. It's a very it's a very touching video. I have to send you the link for it. Um, and it's, it, it's like man, man and machine have come together as one. And so all these pilots are really attached to these airplanes. Um, and he was very emotional and he got me emotional too. So I could just imagine these pilots flying these 747s and knowing that this is the last flight. And, you yeah. know, and, and to pilots, these planes are home to them because they're long hauls. So they've spent a yep. lot of their lives on these airplanes. I just wish they would keep the engines on the aircraft, the entire engine, because it just gives it more um, uh, yeah. oomph, if you will. Because when they take the engines out, somehow it just detracts from the whole experience. Well, what, they, what they should do is put like a, a, a fake thing. So it looks yeah. like an engine yeah. anyway. Yeah. Because the engines are valuable. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And spare parts and all that sort of thing. So, but yeah, there's a whole line of these aircraft at Cotswold Airport. Where BA has retired a lot of them. Is is that where they film um or used to film that show I don't know. on the BBC Top Gear? Uh, no idea. That's my UK friend. All right, so we have a lot of trips to do when this is all over, Kisha. I'm dragging you along. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Speaking of seven four seven, um, 
God, our little company in Seattle. Okay, crap. I mean, I guess they're not in Seattle anymore. In um, where are they now? Chicago. Chicago. Um, well, even have, that's up for debate now. I know, right? They're always having so many. Like, can't they cut a break? What's going on with the seven four seven now? So, just <laughs> when you thought Boeing was out of the wood, <laughs> God, this software problem creeps in to. Um, 748s and um, 744s that have been upgraded um, with, as they call, next generation flight management computers. Because remember, a lot of these 747s were upgraded with floppy disks until fairly recently. Mm -hmm. But uh, about 180 744s are now auto-updated with these next-generation flight computers. Okay. Well, in 2019, um, well, let me back up a little bit. They have been using a Honeywell program called Block Point, and the version, current version was 4.0. This is for navigation maps and airport maps and all that sort of thing. Right. Well, with 4.0 in 2019, they were discovering that some aircraft, they said about a dozen, and they didn't specify what that exactly, what that exact number was, have been experiencing in-flight shutdowns. Now the 747 has two um, flight management computers, and occasionally one of them would shut down, either completely or partially, and uh, they would either retain their data or completely lose it. Ooh. But that was okay because one only one of the two. Yeah, they had two. Okay. But in the last year, they've had these about twelve episodes where both of these computers, flight management computers, have been shutting down entirely and losing all their data. So um, they issued a new version. Um, but they had the problem again. Now there's a version 5.0 coming to supposedly fix this problem that has been occurring for over a year now. But they say the flights were never really in danger because there were established procedures that pilots could follow based on their manuals mm -hmm. to regain control of the aircraft. Because what was worrying to airlines is that these were sometimes happening at critical phases of flight, like takeoffs and landings. But um, Boeing has issued this airworthiness directive to all operators of these um, 139 748s and about 180 of currently flying 744s. Mm. So, um, we will have to see how that develops. Who are flying these 744s? Um, a lot of planes. I didn't realize there was that many still out there. Remember the cargo airlines? They oh, so they're all cargo. cargo. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, cargo. not all cargo. I mean, Rossiya flies them. Mm, yeah, and I guess it's all the ones that they got from BA that didn't go anywhere. No, but they've ordered already. They've also had 744s. Yeah. There's a lot of small operators. Thai still flies them. Yeah, I guess they still do. So, and I, and I saw a picture of someone was showing um, one taking off for Qatar, but I guess it must have been cargo. 
Because they don't have yeah, any. Yeah, all the private ones. In their thing, yeah. Yeah, um, but Qatar has eight, I believe. The private, the BBJ. Yeah. Um, interesting. All right, Boeing, yeah. get your act together. Don't, don't well, actually, this is Honeywell. That's so not strictly speaking Boeing. Mm, still Boeing's plane. Yeah, still Boeing's <laughs> problems, yeah. It's still their problem. Their name is on the outside. Um, yeah. Oh, that's... Oh, geez. All right. Hopefully, they'll get their act together. And happily, there haven't been any incidents or accidents. So that's... Yeah. Uh, all right. More Boeing news. Um, who is the launch customer for the 300ER freighter? So we mentioned this a few weeks ago. We did. That, um um, IAI, Israel Aircraft Industries, and uh, GCAS, which is the leasing operation of uh, GE, mm -hmm. they were launching a program to convert all these um, 777-300s, ERs, that were coming off lease and being retired into freighters. Right. And uh, uh, they'd they've actually started work in Tel Aviv on converting the aircraft. Uh, this was an ex-Emirates plane, the first one at least. So, and they were to, due to be delivered in 2023. Well, this week, Kalita Air, which is a cargo operator based here in the U.S., mm -hmm. announced that they were the launch customer for three of the aircraft. Wow. So they currently have about 36 aircraft, um, all Boeings across the 747, the 767-300, and the 777. See them in New York um, all the time. <clears throat> yeah, uh, they expect a lot of commonality with the 777 uh, freighter, which is the 200LR conversion. Yeah. Uh, but they offer 25% more capacity and about 20% less fuel burn per ton than the current um, four engine equivalent, which would be the 744 or 743 yeah. or two. And it's newer technology and all that kind of thing. It's newer technology, yes. So there's going to be a rear cargo door, nothing in front, um, apparently due to structural reasons. Um, but it's the, going to be, as I said, little difference with the uh, seven, the current 777 freighter. So that may prove very attractive to airlines. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, well, it's, it's good that they have, you know, the afterlife of the 300 ER, so that's good. That's yeah, good. I mean, it's an amazing aircraft. Yeah. So, um, and with lots coming off lease and being retired all across the world. Strange, and it's a new plane, because United just got theirs, like... Right, right? but these are uh, at least 15 years old, yeah. Emirates ones. But still, in you know, in terms yeah. of plane life, that's young. Yes. Uh, Airplanes are probably one of those things where, uh, because they get maintained, what, every 18 months, they get, all the stuff gets swapped out and changed. It's almost like having new airplanes all the time, right? Yeah. yeah. Stripped to the metal almost. Yeah, it's, it's just like, okay, I get a new plane. Uh, D-check, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Pretty amazing. And, and so that's the weird thing when you think about aviation, right? Because a lot of these don't happen in the U.S., they usually happen in Asia. Yep. They fly the airplanes over there, they do a trip, and then they do all their checks and stuff. So that's a lot of stuff affecting the economy. 
of all these countries, of all these people who used to do all this thing. Mm. Oh, good Lord. Um, all right. So the next one, Kusha is trying to be cute with this one. He says, is Airbus history repeating itself, but now with Boeing? All right, Kusha, spill the beans on that one. <laughs> so again, this is a f- several years old. I don't know if people remember that uh, when Boeing introduced uh, 787, which was a brand new from the ground up new aircraft, mm-hmm. revolutionary technology, Airbus had to um, issue a competitive response. So what they did rather hastily is offer airlines basically a warmed up uh, 330. <laughs> and a lot of airlines were outraged and they blasted Airbus. They said this was unacceptable and this and that, but yet a few airlines ordered. Of course. So um, Airbus actually had to be pressured, was pressured to go back to the drawing board and come up with this almost brand new concept, which it turns out has been the the 350 XWB, the extra wide body. Boeing has sort of met the same fate with this NMA aircraft that they've been throwing around for several years. This Mm -hmm. is the new medium range aircraft that was supposed to be a replacement for the 757. Right. Narrow body. Again, they've been tossing this idea around for years, and a lot of airlines have expressed interest, but Boeing really didn't put the pedal to the metal, essentially, and announced production for a variety of reasons, uh, largely due to the um, uh, issues with uh, 737 MAX that has totally swamped the company. Right. Hmm. Well, In their third quarter 2020 earnings release, the CEO of Boeing announced that they were actually shopping around a new version of this NMA. And instead of being around 270 passengers in the original version, now they're looking at a 200 to 250 seat aircraft. Um, And let's see how long they take to finalized plans for this aircraft. Um, this was reported to Flight Global, by the way. Yeah. And no more details have been really, have been revealed, but um, suffice it to say that there is a new aircraft coming from Boeing, but don't expect it anytime soon. So the question is, do we really need a new aircraft? Well, the 757 was really popular. And remember the 321 is snatching market share from 757s that, that are being um, retired left and right. I guess because it's more primarily obvious. by US airlines, but that's yeah. a huge market though. Huh. But this is a competitive response to the 321 LR and the XLR. But wasn't the. But it's several years late though. It is. But wasn't the max supposed to have been that little stopgap? It was supposed to be. Yeah. But uh, we all know how that worked <laughs> out. So, yeah, because they were supposed to build something brand new and they decided, well, let's just put bigger engines on. There's and actually it- talk that uh, the Max 10, which is the new version of the 737 coming out in 2023, I believe, 
or 2022, you'll be sort of a competitor to the 321 LR, but there's only so much you can do with a design that is essentially from the 1960s. Yeah. Especially with the engines. Because yeah, the mean, 737 is so low to the ground, there's only a limited size of engine that can fit on the aircraft. Yeah. But what would so, you have to do? I mean, you have to get uh, long, longer landing gear. Yep. Uh, and all that requires extensive reconfiguration re yeah, of the aircraft. Because a lot of it will depend on how successful the re-entry of the MAX is. Mm -hmm. Because if airlines start canceling left and right, um, yeah, might good. have to go back to the drawing boards and uh, yeah. develop a new 737 because they estimate that this current MAX series will survive until about 2035. Oh, okay. And they will have to start thinking about an update or a brand new 737 equivalent in about 2027. Mm. So it all depends on how successful the relaunch of the maxes yeah but 737 200s are still flying right yes they are <laughs> which is actually a testament to the durability of the aircraft oh absolutely <laughs> it's so fun to go yeah. like south america and you're like oh look it's a 200 <laughs> with the little hairdryer engines like oh, i know look. right and then further well they're, they're even still flying here in north america because i think uh first alaska yeah, in Alaska, they fly up in uh, Canada. Canada, that's there. right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! So, those were tough planes. They're very tough planes, and what they do, they have like little little blower things on the on the front of the engine because up in um, in like uh, Resolute Bay in Canada, there's a lot of gravel. Right. And so even on the nose wheel, they have that little deflector. Yeah, which is pretty cool to see that stuff. Um, all right, but. Enough geeking out in that. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so we had some little developments. Um, so in, in the aircraft industry, there's usually, we, only, we usually hear about Airbus and Boeing primarily, but there's also Embraer, you know, which we hear of, but not too much. And so um, they're based in Brazil and um, they've been around for quite a long time, just that they've been making turboprops and now they've gone to the, um, to the jet engines in the, the new Embraer 190s and all that. Yeah, but remember so, the, um, the ERJ um, 50s and the 35s? And the 35s. And, and the and 45s. But, but um, people don't really think about those when they no. think about Airbus and Boeing. So now they're coming up with some new, new developments with, uh, with, with Embraer. So what are they doing, Krishna? So this was announced on the 30th of October yeah. uh, from the Vice, Vice President of Marketing, uh, Commercial Aviation at Embraer. And uh, a lot of people, I would have to say older people, remember the old uh, Bandirat and the Brasilia? Yes. Which course. were these tiny little turboprops in But the Brazilians are still flying around someplace. Yeah, they are. The EM2s. So <laughs> Embraer announced that they are bringing back uh, up much updated uh, Brasilia, even though they're not going to call it the Brasilia. But it looks, they released a few images. And what it looks like Embraer has done is to use the fuselage of an E. 
170, 175, or 190, and attach props to the aircraft with the T-tail. So it really looks like a stretched, elongated, thoroughly modernized Brazilian. And powerful engines, I guess. Powerful <laughs> engines, yes. Very efficient. As they said, they expect cabin comfort to be similar to the E-Jets, which is the 175-190 series. They uh, anticipate commercial operations starting in 2027. And the aircraft will hold between 80 and 100 passengers. And here's something I didn't know, that in compliance with new regulations for crashworthiness, the um, aircraft had to have a low wing. Okay. Um, it also has a T-tail, but what was also interesting is that they are looking for joint venture partnerships for production. Oh, okay. So I guess they don't want to take on the entire responsibility, financial and otherwise, for exclusive production. So they're looking for partners. Money is tight. After the <laughs> Boeing uh, debacle, merger problems. Yeah. Um, and what analysts have been saying that if this aircraft comes to market when it's supposed to, it would have pretty impressive economics on... Um, short flights up to, let's say 700 nautical miles, which is about 1300 kilometers on flights of between one and a half and two hours. Yeah. So it could make viable routes that are currently not profitable with 50 seat jets. Now, sense. I know a lot of at least US customers and passengers are not very comfortable flying on a prop jet. But well, they are among the most advanced aircraft in the sky. They really I are. I mean, yeah. you look at the Q400 and the ATR series. Yeah. But. Um, and they're very safe and reliable. Yes, they are. Yeah. And plus, they can get into these tiny airports. Right. That the jets don't require fly. long runways. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. So that's good. I mean. So, yeah, let's see what happens with this. Yeah, if they can get sufficient air numbers of airlines interested. And I'm glad you answered the high wing, low wing thing, because I, I was thinking about that when you mentioned it. And uh, I was like, oh, it's a, it's a Q400 then. <laughs> and like, or an ATR. Low wing or an ATR, exactly. Yeah. Um, they haven't said where the bags will go, really. Well, I so, guess just behind the passengers in the back there, as usual. I don't know about that. Yeah, because that's what Given that it's a hundred passengers is a lot. Yeah. It would almost necessarily have to go in the belly if it's a 175, 190 fuselage. Yeah, but that means it's right? going to be high off the it has to be high off. Yeah, the, it has uh, to be high off the ground, right? Yeah. Probably gonna be anyway, because um for them to log around a fuselage that big, you know, yeah. engines. <laughs> now remember but, this is not this is not uh confirmed that it will be the yeah. exact fuselage of a 175-190. Embraer said that cabin comfort is comparable. Yeah, so that's probably the deal. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's funny with, with a lot of these, um, so in, in, in a lot of these marketing things, um, like there's always talk that Apple and Samsung um, when, it, when they talk about, oh, there's a leaked version of the phone that's out. And you're like, 
and when the phone comes out, it's the exact version. And you're like, well, how did that happen? You know, so. Um, but they do that like, with cars also, right? Yeah, yeah. New model cars. Yeah, it's. Oh, you know, it's. My brother was quite cryptic about this. Yeah, it's funny. I expect them to be providing more details, but they better finalize everything fairly soon. I know, right? Want to start. So, slightly off topic. In, in 2027. Yeah, because I mean, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you know they've, they've had this like planned out, and they just like releasing what they're up to. Yeah. Because, because they're a smart company, right? Yeah. Um, slightly off topic. I was driving out yesterday. I went to the I went to the zoo, but that's a whole other long story. Um, and we were behind a car that I thought was a Maserati, but on closer inspection, it's a Chevrolet 200S. And um, I was like, "What? Did do, do you know if Maserati, if the guy who designed cars for Maserati went to Chevrolet?" No idea. <laughs> okay. I thought I'd randomly throw that. I've never in. heard of the 200S. Never heard of it either, but I saw one yesterday. It looks really nice. It looks. Is it a like sedan a, or an yeah, SUV? It's, it's a sedan. It, look, it looks just like a Maserati from behind. <laughs> Are you sure it's not the Chrysler 200? Um. Okay, that's maybe, a sedan. Maybe it is a Chrysler. Yeah. Okay, it is a Chrysler. The Chrysler 200S. Yeah. I've never seen one before. No, they're all over. It actually looks very nice. Well, I know the Chrysler 300. That, that one I know, right. but I, I didn't see a 200S. And yeah. I was like, oh. But it okay. wasn't very successful as a car for whatever reason. Uh, it looks just like a Maserati. <laughs> so somebody, I, I think there's a diner. Because one of those cars, like the guy from, is it Austin Martin went to another another one of the high designers? They always have this. Jaguar. So that's why the Jaguars look like Austin Martins because <laughs> the designer came from there. Uh, but anyway, I mean, so, in any industry, the same thing happens. People jump from Airbus to, yeah. to, uh, to Embraer all the time, right? Uh, all right. What do we have? Um, A3. Are you keeping track of time? Um, yeah, we have like four more stories to do in aircraft, and then we're probably going to have to call it an episode. Um, okay. We want to say hello. Uh, uh, say hello to Wars first to. A330-800s? Uh, is, is, is the 800 the NEOs? Yes. Okay. The 800s and 900s are all NEOs. Okay. So this is the Airbus 330 that has been updated. Uh -huh. um, and unfortunately, this is an unloved version of the plane. Why? Because there have been only uh, 14 ordered totally, of which eight are going to Kuwait Airways, uh -huh. two to Uganda Airlines, and the other four, um, they don't have a customer assigned to them. But um, yesterday, or two days ago rather, Kuwait Airways took delivery of two of these 338s. Mm -hmm. um, in a 32, 203 configuration with business and economy with Rolls-Royce Trends. Um, this is the long range version of the 330 and it can fly uh, up to about 8,100 nautical miles, which works out to about 15,000 kilometers. Okay. But um, in comparison to 14 of these ordered, 
there have been over 300 orders for the 339, which is the 900 version, which is a shorter range, but a bigger aircraft. Okay, so that makes sense. Very similar to the 3200 and the 33300. Yeah, so what's that replacing in the fleet? Um, actually, it's not, it's complementing. Oh, okay. Yeah. For now, at least, because Kuwait has, um, I believe, 35. Um, no, I take that back. Sorry. They've got a current fleet of uh, seven 320, current 320s, three 320neos, and five 330s. So I believe. Probably fly them to JFK now. Yeah. Well, no, JFK has the triple seven. Um, yes, I'm trying to think of where they're going to fly them. So it's a long range aircraft. So yeah. they haven't Kuwaiti, announced. Kuwaiti Airlines is one of those airlines you don't even hear about. Um, and um, I flew them from Abu Dhabi to Kuwait. That Remember, was... they lost a lot of their fleet during yeah. the war. Yeah. So, um, with Iraq. So. No, that was news. Yeah, that's and and well, I'm glad that you know all these little cool things are are happening. Yeah, even doing even doing. And they actually uh, took delivery rather than sending them straight to the desert. The yeah. story. Because they got the money, honey. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, "Yep, we'll take them." <laughs> uh, so, they still have all in their backyard. Remember Kuwait was a were you with me, were you with me in Kuwait? I think yes. you were. Yeah, remember that. Um, water, was it, was it water was cheaper than gas? Water tanks. Uh, gas was cheaper than water. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> but I believe it's true in Dubai as well, in the UAE. Uh, exactly. I never really... Fuel is cheaper than water. Yeah. It's like, okay, all right. I've never... You remember it's subsidized also. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, that's too funny. Um, Kuwait was a place, a little aside, where um, I kept walking around because I know I don't see any Kuwaitis in Kuwait, <laughs> and I kept asking people that are from Kuwait. And I went in the police station and sat down and talked to the guys and go, "So tell me, are you Kuwaiti? Because you just don't see Kuwaitis in Kuwait. It's a it's a lot of immigrants that are in Kuwait and mm. not the real Kuwaitis. And I wanted to meet a real Kuwaiti, so that was kind of funny. You know, I should have taken a video of that thing for sure." I don't think I have any video. No. All right. Um, uh, let's see. Um, did, didn't we talk about the longest commercial flight already? No, we haven't. Well, yes, we have, and no, we haven't. I mean, it's Nork, it's Nork JFK now. I mean, sorry, Singapore JFK. Yeah. Is, is there another one? Well, it depends on <laughs> the aircraft. But yes, there is, since okay. you brought it up. <laughs> so, yes, there's been a lot of hoopla recently, and we talked about this, I believe, last week, mm -hmm. about Singapore Airlines announcing their, uh, a resumption of Singapore, but now to JFK instead right. of Newark. Well, this week, um, Air Transat in Canada, which is now owned by Air Canada, right. had the world's longest commercial flight on a 321LR. No way. From Montreal to Athens. Wow. Now, this is strictly speaking not the longest flight of this aircraft because there was a test 
done from uh, Mahe in the Seychelles to Toulouse, which was 11 hours and 54 minutes, but this aircraft was filled with dummies. I was just going to say, yeah, oh, those don't count uh, for sure. What's that? They don't count because yes, they don't count. Yes, they don't count. <laughs> and um, this aircraft busted the previously existing record of a WOW um, 321 from Keflavik in Iceland to Los Angeles in 2018. Hmm. That was eight hours and 40 minutes. Uh, but this one from Montreal to Athens was three, uh, eight hours and 32 minutes. So uh, the Montreal-Athens flight was 7,600 kilometers, which is about 4,800 nautical miles. And the uh, um, Reykjavik-Los Angeles flights was 6,900 kilometers, so about 4,300 miles. But uh, this aircraft was delivered to Air Transat in July uh, in a 12-187 configuration. And I just wish they had announced the loads. But um, this, like the 757 transatlantic, is subject to winds interference. So on the way back, it had to stop in uh, Paris. Oh, right, which makes sense. So, Christian, yeah. why is this the world's longest flight? It's not by distance. It's on an, by aircraft. It's just for that particular aircraft. Yeah. You and your marketing. Yeah. <laughs> that is cool. Though. Hey, it got attention, right? We're talking about it. Uh, totally. I mean, eight hours. And, and this was hour. on CNN. Yeah, that is, so, that, is, that is actually. I think uh, it's interesting. Yeah. But it just shows what uh, Boeing has to be wary about, that the 321 is really taking over this uh, segment that really belonged to Boeing in the past. Yeah, but you know, if they, if they didn't have issues with the MAX, um, they were of course, but that of, point is moot. Things like that. Yeah. And you know, so, there, there are consequences for your action, and they're certainly seeing all the consequences up there. Yep. Will they learn? I doubt it, because they're still moving the 787. <laughs> so, <laughs> and if you want to fly an air transat 321LR, you can also go from Toronto to London Gatwick and Montreal to Paris, by the way. Oh, okay. So, and, but I do want to say also that. Uh, they're not the first operator because TAP, uh, the Portuguese airline, launched flights from Lisbon to Maceo in Brazil um, and also Boston and Montreal yeah, exactly. with this how, aircraft. How long is that one? Which one? The Lisbon to... Um... Maceo, I'm not exactly sure, oh. but it was shorter. Yeah. Because Maceo is where um, Brazil sort of juts out into the Atlantic. So it's very northeast. It's south of Recife in Brazil. Oh, okay. But it's still yeah, a significant distance. On a single aisle. It's no different from, let's say, Newark, Berlin on a United 757. Yeah, but that's only like, what, seven hours? Yeah, but yeah. who's counting between seven and eight? I know, right? That's actually not bad, though, on, a, on, a, on one of those um, planes. So was this a, was this a scheduled regular yeah. scheduled commercial flight? Yep. Uh, flight uh, number was uh, TS six nine zero. Well, we're banned from going to Canada, so that's out of the question for now. <laughs> we're banned from going to Europe. <laughs> well, we can go to Europe as long as we haven't been in the U.S. for a while. <laughs>
Let's not go down that. Oh, sorry. You know, you just have to look at bad things and laugh. Uh, all right. Two more stories in aircraft, and then we're going to wrap up. Um, commercial flights on the TU-154, are they retiring it? Um, yes. Well, retired. Oh. Oh, retired. I didn't even know they were any operating. Um, I'm not nice. sure if I wanted to fly on this, but I, in retrospect, I sort of did. Just to yeah. see the difference between an old-style Russian aircraft and uh, um, oh, the equivalent Western-made uh, plane. But anyway, yeah. long story short, um, this was in World Airline News. There's an airline called Alrosa Avia, which is based in the province of Yakutia, which is in the northeast of Russia, not all the way to the east towards Sakhalin, right. um, sort of close to the Mongolian border and then going north to the So they had um, a flight this week uh, on the 28th of October um, from Mirny, which is their hub in uh, the Yakutia area of Russia, to uh, Novosibirsk, which is in Siberia. Wow. With there are actually 140 passengers on uh, their to pull it 154. Now remember this was a this is a three-engined aircraft. But what I thought was unique about this plane was that uh, it had the three-wheel bogey main landing gear, much like the 777 and the A350-1000. And this was and this uh, is way back 30 when, years right? ago. Exactly. 30 years ago. <laughs> yes. So they Ooh. fly Arosa Avia flies to 30 cities in Russia. Yeah. Uh, the CIS, which is the old Soviet Union countries, some Asia and some Europe. And they've got a mixed fleet of 738, 737-700s, and uh, a lot of the old Russian types, like the Antonov 38, the 24. Uh, okay. But I just thought we never ever talk about Russian aircraft. Yeah. So this was a uh, this was historical, I think. Uh huh. So, I think I think there's a T. Uh, it might have been a T-154 when you're driving into um, uh, Moldova Airport in Chisinau. Chisinau, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's right by the entrance when you're going in. I think it's a 154. Oh, so, that's too funky. Nice. Um, all right. Have you ever flown on a Russian aircraft? Um, no. I've not. Yeah. I do want to though, but no, I've not. I you think your chances it. are running out. Well, yeah. Dude, we're gonna go fly again. Huh? Cubana. They have the 86, I think, only Illusion 86. Yeah, it's so weird because I grew up in Jamaica, but I never went to Cuba. And then you know I would have been able to fly all these fancy airplanes, right? But oh. no, I never did it. Um, all right, one last story in aircraft, and, uh, and then we have a question that came up. Um, Japan's re-entry into commercial aircraft production will have to wait. Yeah, I heard about this. What's going on? <clears throat> this was really not news, not unexpected, really. But yeah. um, again, we talked about this months ago, about the Mitsubishi space jet. Mm -hmm. um, this was a commercial uh, regional aircraft, um, after about 50 years 
um, Japan was going to have an offer um, on the market. And in fact, ANA was the launch customer, as well as um, a US regional carrier. This plane has been beset with what I think are unforgivable issues. Again, I don't know the full story, but just based on what I've read, mm -hmm. they had their first inaugural flight and then later discovered all sorts of manufacturing defects. So they had to go back to the drawing board and re-engineer the aircraft, which itself was absurd, I think, in this modern era. They've continued to have all sorts of problems and um, it has been bleeding cash for Mitsubishi, heavy industries. And finally this week, they decided to freeze funding for this plane. Remember this plane is now um, at least seven years late. So a lot of the technology on board is close to being out of date. Right. Not the latest. So this, I think for everybody's sake is a good thing. But what I don't know what they're going to do is Remember, they bought the Bombardier CRJ after sales and marketing program to try uh, and offer worldwide support for this plane, much like Boeing and Airbus do. Yeah. Now I don't know what they're going to do with that arm of the company. Uh, all in all, this has really proven to be a huge blunder by Mitsubishi. Yeah. So if they bring this back, <clears throat> which seems very unlikely in its current form. I really hope they get their act together. They probably should have stuck to cars. <laughs> uh, that's sad. And elevators. I, yeah, because I have seen, um, and yeah, and they make a whole bunch of other stuff, a whole yes, bunch of electronics, do. right? Part of um, that Diretsu yeah. in Japan. But it's, also what was complicating the problem was that the flight tests that were in the US were suspended due to COVID. Yeah. Now, I don't understand if Boeing could do flight testing of the 73 MAX, 77 MAX aircraft during COVID, why couldn't Mitsubishi in Washington State? So, I don't know. You're, you're asking, a, you're asking a, a terrible question there. Yeah. You probably know the answer. <laughs> so, it's whom you know. So I don't know what ANA is going to do, honestly. Yeah, they just pick up another person. Yeah. Yeah, another uh, thing. But you know what it is, um, you know, maybe it's a temporary thing, right? And then- see, they cannot wait much longer. It's already seven years late. Hey, come on, the Brandenburg Airport is nine years late. <laughs> and it's finally open. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So that's our last aircraft story. But before we wrap so up- For a long time, we've had so many articles. So yeah, I know. On aircraft. On aircraft, right. Normally airlines. we have nothing, yeah. Um, but we have, so we have a question on episode 42, one of our readers, um, sent a note in and he said, Hey there, I listened to episode 42 last night. Thanks for addressing my question on scrapped airplanes. Cause he had, uh, he had asked, where does the, what happened to all these scrapped airplanes? Where does the metal go and stuff like that? And Kusher nicely answered that one. So during the podcast, Kusher had wondered why is the free COVID insurance valid for 92 days? and not instead of 90, like yeah. 90. And so he had a really good explanation. He said, 
It's because a year has 365.2425 days. The boy is such a geek. Um, divided into quarters, that's 91.3 days, a quarter. Rounded that decimal up, and it becomes 92. <laughs> right? Learn something new every day. I know, I know. So that's good. So if you guys have questions for us, please. Thanks for answering that. Yeah, yeah, that's actually really good. Because, you know, we don't we don't Makes know perfect it. sense now. It totally does. Um, and, you know, we, we're, we're reading the headlines and we're trying to decipher them. And so if you guys have questions when you listen to our store stories, um, please let us know. Um, I think that was it for, for aircraft, Chris, or so we should be yes. done with this episode. Yes. Um, and so uh, thank you again for listening. And remember, we are on, uh, we're on Apple uh, iTunes. And apparently in the podcast world, if you don't get Apple down, we have like, we have, we have like you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of downloads, but it doesn't count unless you download it through Apple uh, iTunes. The, our world is really weird. So get over to Apple. Uh, we have a link in the, in the show. Just go to Apple uh, iTunes or whatever you, do, you download your podcast on your iPhone or your Android, or not Android on the other one. Because apparently it doesn't count on Android, but you can actually get, uh, to Apple Podcasts on anywhere. Just go to it and search for what's happening in travel or search for my name or Krisha's name and then you'll be able to, to find us on there and subscribe, leave a comment and share with your friends. We'd really appreciate that. Of course, we can also be found on Stitcher. We can found on um, Amazon uh, and on Google. And um, if you go to passwriter.com slash W-H-I-T, you can find us there as well. Send us your questions, um, feedback at passwriter.com. We would love to hear from you. And as you see, we do include your questions and your answers whenever they show up. So this is Kerwin and my buddy. Mishra. And we are signing off from What's Happening in Travel on Halloween USA, October 31st, 2020. Talk to you guys soon.